there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. Kucherov with a shot, he scores! Power play goal, Nikita Kucherov, and the Lightning now leads 3-1. This one he wins, and then Tampa goes to the work. Kucherov, the great There's distributor, Benson. right? Buy some time, Dempsey. holding on to win. Rebound, he got that one too. Kadri had the follow-up, Bennington fell over. Here's Manson, Bennington's reset. Manson scores! All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian Blessing Studio. Steve Karp has joined us full-time now. See, I had, I had that because... Never mind. Anyway, Chris Johnson manning the machine. I'm Dana Lane, just trying to keep up. Vegas Hockey Hotline is brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. And, of course, last night, round two of the NHL playoffs kicked off uh, with two results that were, I don't know, not surprising. I don't think at this point anything could be surprising unless... Well, I mean, was it surprising that the two-time defending champions won? Was Anyone it... won was. The, the, way? the way Tampa won was surprising. Okay. Considering they spotted Florida a one nothing lead mm-hmm. and scored four unanswered in Florida's building without two defensemen they lost during the game, without one of their best players in the lineup. Hell yes, that's surprising. That was that was shocking. I that didn't a team... say shocking. I said surprising. Okay, well, in this, they're it's in the same family. Difference. Same family, right? No. Shocking and surprising are different. Surpri- shocking is off the charts. Okay. Surprising is unexpected. I, I just, I guess there's varying degrees of it. No, no, no. I'm just saying that when you have a team that has the kind of depth that Tampa has. Okay. With probably the best goaltender that's remaining in the postseason, and they go and beat a team in their own barn where you can't hear the fans, mm-hmm. a team that was inches away from being down 3-1 to one to Washington outside of a, a missed empty netter, I didn't think it was too shocking to okay. me or surprising. Say, oh, well, see, I thought it was a little bit surprising. I mean, if I, I guess... Was- I guess if I was writing the story for a newspaper, mm-hmm. I would have said it was somewhat surprising that Tampa won this game going away considering what they were up against. Would you say it's more surprising? Coming off of Game 7, not having one of their top three guys available, losing two defensemen during the course of a game, having to play from behind, chasing it a little bit, not a lot. You know, one nothing is not insurmountable. Certainly, for that team, they're used to uh, playing from behind. But the thing about Tampa Bay, and we've seen it over the years now, and it's funny how John Cooper's voice has not been lost in the room yet after 10 years. Yeah, the lightning, apparently he sounds okay. The Lightning, and you mentioned this in hour one, they are a veteran team. They don't get rattled. They stay within their structure. 
They do what they have to do to find a way to win, okay? Florida, which I thought was built along a somewhat parallel line, not quite to the level of Tampa Bay, surprised me with their no-shows from their big guns. I mean, you know, uh, Mark Lawrence mentioned it in the last hour. Jonathan Huberto's got to play better. You know, they didn't get much from Verhage. Uh, you know, Barkov is, is played well, I thought, for the most part. But their defense was lacking. I mean, what Kucherov did to Aaron Ekblad. Insane. That was sick. <laughs> I mean, it that really was. That was indeed sick. And, <laughs> what a move. And, I mean, and then, you know, to make the nice saucer pass to Corey Perry for what was essentially an empty net goal because Bob was Out of position. playing. Well, no, he was playing. He's playing Kucherov. Right, he's not playing the, the guy, and and Sherratt didn't get back in time to pick up Perry. So, I mean, but this it, is but a, it all starts with a great move by a great player. Isn't this a team though, Steve? Where we just we forget about how much depth they have, and even without Braden Point, yeah, we, we forget that. I mean, when you go down the list of of great players for for the Lightning. I mean, when do you get down to Ross Colton? And when, when does somebody bring up Ross Colton? When does somebody bring up Brandon Hagel? Guys that are 20-goal guys. Brandon Hagel had 25 this year. When do those names ever get brought up? Well, Colton's name certainly got brought up last night. Yeah. And, and if we talk, that's this is to me why it's not a surprise. Because even with Braden Point out, mm-hmm. And a, a Panthers team that still is having that little brother syndrome where they just want they want this so bad and they just can't get over this hump. Yeah. And, and it's funny to, to hear them talk. It seems as if they've lost to Tampa, you know, five straight times in a the postseason. They've only lost once, right? Yeah. And that was last year. Yeah. <laughs> they've only lost one time. And you know what's funny? I before the playoffs, Tampa, I mean Florida was my pick to come out of the East mm-hmm. to go to the cup final against Colorado. And after watching both games last night, I'm not quite sure if either of those teams are going to get there because Colorado, which did get better as the game went on, you could tell they were a little rusty off mm-hmm. the layoff. They ran to a, I mean, a white hot goaltender in Jordan Bennington. I mean, he was just, it was like Ottinger against Calgary the other night. And thank goodness it was for It very him. similar, but, in the end, same result. Flames get one in OT from uh, Johnny Hockey to move on. And Josh Manson comes through for the abs in OT. And I don't know how Bennington could have ever stopped it. He never saw it. No. I mean, there was such a so much traffic in front of him. But let's give St. Louis some credit. Nobody's given him any shot to win this thing. And they damn near pulled it off. Despite being totally outplayed as the game went on. They found a way to stay in there. Uh, and there's another team with good veteran leadership on and off the ice and a good coach, too, in Craig Berube, who keeps his guys together, much like John Cooper does. There's no panic in their game. And maybe that's serious. There's no panic in their game because they know, they've been to the end, too. Yeah. They, uh, they know how to they, hoist a cup. They've hoisted it. Exactly. And... Maybe we need to give St. Louis a little bit more credit 
I don't know that they could beat Colorado over seven games, but at least we saw they could play with them for long stretches. Well, there was certainly, that's fair to say, certainly right? no, of course, and there was certainly no team that went into the postseason playing better than St. Louis was. I mean, St. Louis was, I mean, record-wise, over the last yeah. month, I think they had the top record in the NHL. Yeah, Carolina was playing pretty well. Carolina was playing well, too. I mean, and we'll Boston talk about that in well. a second, I'm sure. But, yeah, no, the Blues the Blues have been playing really well for a while now. I mean, outside of, and even if you break down Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly's goal, that really was, a, was nothing more than going hard to the net, oh, look what I got, and then lifts one over Kemper. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the right bounce at the right time. So you could really could say St. Louis had a hard time generating not only goals, but they had a hard time generating space. I mean, what was it at the 1650 mark of the second period? St. Louis still wasn't a double digits in shots. Yeah. The Avs did a great job controlling the neutral zone, and, and their forecheck was really good all night. Before the Girard goal, I think St. Louis had, and that was, what, at the 11.25 mark of the second something period, like something like that? Yeah. I think St. Louis had nine shots at that point. So, yes, game close. But does it tell the story? But the story is Colorado gave them zero room out there. Yeah. And this was a, this was a hungry team. And if it wasn't for Bennington... I mean, I could see this game being 5-1-6-1. Absolutely. And it, it makes you wonder, did the Blues blow their best opportunity to come out of there? Of course they play? did. Because we so. said it yesterday, didn't we, Steve, that this was going to be specifically the first period right. was going to be the period that they had to win. And they did. Yeah. They were up one But as the game went on, and when we tried to figure out how much rust was, was going to be with Colorado, if, if anything – because remember, they were in the same situation last year. Didn't have a problem moving on. But there was about 20 minutes where St. Louis could say, we really, and I know Andrew McGinnis said, hey, if it's tied, it's good. Now, I don't think, I needed St. Louis to be ahead and to protect the lead and make Colorado play, chase the game. Yeah, and, and I think that's what they didn't right. do. And they Once Colorado the, went up 2-1, it was over. Right, but they had to chase it a little more than Tampa did. They were both behind one nothing. But I never felt like Tampa was truly chasing the game. And Colorado the same. I didn't get the sense that, oh, my goodness, they're going to really need a big push to get it back in this game. They just kind of played their game, and it kind of you know, organically evolved over the course of the game. So uh, I don't know how St. Louis pulls the rabbit out of their hat in game two tomorrow, but I think – Florida, more than St. Louis, better bounce back. They're at home. They go down 2 nothing to Tampa. It's pretty much over. The handshakes will be taking place. We'll, we'll say one thing about the Panthers. Yeah. The reality is... They're the comeback cats. They're uh, again, used to coming back, though. Again, stating when this is all said and done, with whoever hoists the Stanley Cup is going to do so because they won the battle of special teams and they had terrific goaltending. And so last night in the Tampa game, Tampa won the battle of the special teams easily. Sure. Three power play goals. Mm-hmm. And they had the, well, I mean, 
they had the better of the two goaltenders. Vasilevsky was, was better than Bob, no question. And and Kemper didn't play badly for the Abs. No. I thought he was fine. No, he wasn't Bennington asked to do too much. stood on his head and kept his team in it. I mean, he faced eight eight shots yeah. through uh, half the game. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, you know, tonight we have the other game ones in the other two conference semis. The Rangers are in Raleigh to play the, the Hurricanes. And they got some good news. Sammy Blaze skated this morning. Boy, I would have loved to have seen him play all year. I don't know year. if he'll be ready to play in the series. Gallant didn't say as much, but he was out there skating with the team. And uh, if he can play, he gives them a lot more grit, and it definitely will help. But we'll see. Uh, Where would they have been if he was there all year? Because it was uh, Reeves and, and Blay was supposed to be. Right. They were supposed to be the physical cornerstones yeah. uh, of this team. And, and of course, uh, you know. Probably a couple more wins for sure. I don't know if they would have overtaken the Hurricanes for the Metropolitan, but it certainly would have helped. Well, it wasn't because he was going to put up 20. It was no, just no, because but, they would but, have been physically tougher. Right, that's all. You know, some nights uh, you need grit to win and over skill. And uh, I, I just think for the Rangers, they want to just come out of Raleigh with a split. Somehow, if they can't win tonight, find a way to win Friday, take it back to the Garden even. The other series, though... There's going to be so much emotion in this battle of Alberta between Edmonton and Calgary. I think the team that best controls it the most, because both barns are going to be nuts. Mm-hmm. All right? I mean, Saldome's going to be crazy tonight. When they go back to Rogers in Edmonton this weekend, it's going to be insane there. So whichever team controls its emotions better, doesn't take the stupid penalty, doesn't short-circuit momentum, will likely come out of that on top, which tells me that Edmonton, you know, I think Andrew McGinnis was telling us yesterday he gave Edmonton a puncher's chance against the Flames. I'm kind of in his camp. I, I think, you know, with McDavid playing at a high level now, with Mike Smith playing well, I got a feeling the Oilers will hang with Calgary, whether it's enough to beat them over seven I'm not quite sure, but I do see this as a pretty competitive series. I don't know how you feel well, about it. Well, I feel about – see, from a defensive standpoint, I, I have been – And I have better. loved where Calgary has been all yeah. year round. Uh, consistently talking about – you want to talk about a lack of space on the ice. And sometimes speed, when we talk about a team needs to get faster, mm-hmm. we always think, oh, that means how effective they are on breakouts. Or how, you know, can he create two-on-ones or, you know, that sort of thing. We look at offense as the equation to speed. Mm-hmm. But speed is not just offense. Speed is your ability to get to a spot, to close down passing lanes. Speed is the ability is how quickly can you close on somebody before they can make a, a, a decision with the puck. Yeah. And for Calgary, I think they're – Better than what L.A. is, although I think L.A. matched up well with Edmonton up the middle Mm -hmm. uh, until just talent overcame L.A. But I think Calgary is is going to give them fits. And I I know we're talking about two of the best players in the world on Edmonton. Mm -hmm. There's still questions with Mike Smith to me. I mean, yes, he's – everybody said, oh, he's, he's doing better than he was. Yes. 
but of the two goaltenders, again, we're talking about goaltending, special teams. And I think Calgary, not, not necessarily from being a better power play team, but be, being a better penalty kill team. And no. I think that's where Calgary and the goaltending, I think that's where they have the advantage. I, I think the Flames play their system as well as, as any team the, in the league. Can you imagine watching Calgary and Tampa? I mean, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that is going to be textbook hockey. We could have it. That is going to be we whose system is better than the other. Yeah. And, and having, Two experienced coaches who know how to win and have one. You know, I, I would be down for seven games of that. I'm cool with that, too. What, what are your thoughts on Rangers-Kings? I kind of like Carolina I, in the I series. Mean, hey, Steve, if until I see Carolina lose a home game, yeah, you want to know the difference. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, Mark, Mark Lawrence is a season ticket holder for the Panthers, so I didn't want right. to get too, you know, because right. I'm also talking. I had talking to bring to, it up because it's oh, the talk of the league. That fans... was my next question. Yeah. That was my next question to him. So you brought I stole it up. your thunder. No, no, no. You didn't steal my thunder. My goodness. It's a six-time award winner worried about stealing my thunder. But that's true. Because even sitting at home, you can tell. Like, I'm watching Boston, Carolina, and I'm like, this is a madhouse. It is similar. And, again, give Vegas Golden Knights fans all the credit in the world. I remember saying that about a preseason game against uh, against the Coyotes last year. This is a madhouse. You can feel it. When I'm watching Panther games, tell me where the intimidation factor is for a two-time Stanley Cup champion to walk into a barn with people sitting on their hands. Tell me where that... Because it, emotion, if the players on the ice don't have it, Mm-hmm. You better give it to them. That's your duty as a fan base. That's what I was alluding it's to. Exactly when I right. Asked Mark and stuff. So we're gonna have Chip Alexander on tomorrow from the Raleigh Observer News, yeah. who's covered the Hurricanes for years, and so he remembers when the PNC Center in Raleigh was deserted and nobody was going to the games, and now all of a sudden, of course, you got the storm surge and. It's, it's a very tough ticket, and it's an atmosphere that's as good as any in the league. It's right there with Vegas, with Nashville. Uh, it'll be curious to get Chip's thoughts about how winning and, and the way they play re-energized that city's fan base. And I, It's all about winning. I think this is fantastic, and I think it's the way I feel about every single fan base. You can be a fan. There's two ways to be in a fan. When you're doing well, and this is why I get on the Tampa Bay Rays all, all the time, when you're doing well and you're going there to support them. Mm-hmm. Because I believe being a fan of a team is a relationship. It is not a one-way street. And I believe you choosing to not treat it that way makes you even better, uh, an even better fan. And the, the, what I mean about that is, Again, I'm not going to bring up the team, but we'll just say the bad teams in, in Major League Baseball. I do not feel compelled as a fan. This does not make me a bad fan. If you are not putting a product on the ice that deserves my money, mm-hmm. 
then you do not deserve my attendance. Because there's no, as a consumer, there's no better point to make to teams than to not go, to not buy their merchandise. Because I'm not, and this is why I, I, I give the, those guys up in Toronto all the credit in the world. All the credit in the world. We'll see what happens in Pittsburgh. When the Fenway group comes in, are they going to be a, a group that's going to realize that they need to sign Latang and then they need to sign Malkin? I don't know. I think those two guys might be on their way out. I don't know who's going to sign Malkin for the money he's making, but that's another show. Well, I know one team, if it had the space, it would. <laughs> well, sure. But they don't have the space. They got enough problems as it is. Well, that we could put, they could put eight guys in LTIR. It'd be fine. Could happen. Sure. Never put the know. misfits on LTIR? I don't well, know. You have one of them on there. Hey, here's a, here's a question. I'll ask Ben Goats this. Is this last year for the Riley Smith uh, charity softball game? I'll say no because Nate Schmidt and Ryan Reeves have shown up after they left Vegas. Okay, but that's not so really my question. I think Riley will. And it's not about the softball game. I think Riley will continue to participate. I don't know if he'll like be the the face of it, but <laughs> if he's gone from here, but he'll he'll show up. Yeah, I know he'll show up. I was just trying to ask the question in a well, <laughs> crazy manner. There you go. Uh, so and so that brings me to. A couple things. It brings me to Pittsburgh. And I know people thought, well, if the hit on Crosby didn't happen, then that would have been different. Uh, I don't know. We're playing playoff hockey. That's that's what happened. And, right. you know, if this and if that. What a Pedersen uh, helmet thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 we didn't talk about this, but I, I understand. I mean, and I understand it, was a poor, it wasn't the correct reaction after. Sorry, he, he didn't know the rule or you know I me mean, didn't react properly no he got off the ice that but, was the problem but, and he couldn't stay on the rangers had a what was essentially a five on i know but he could he could have just picked it up you have to leave the ice you can't just put it back on you got to leave i'm gonna that's the way i understand so i i heard something a little bit different than that as to the way he should have and I'll, I'll ask Dave Jackson about it, but yeah. there were, there are some nuances to the rules that I've just heard this postseason. Yeah. Uh, even even the icing, sometimes it doesn't matter who it's is first. winning the race. It's right. where they anticipate the puck going. Correct. So, uh, anyway, the point about that is, is this the last for the Penguins? Is this the last uh, – is this the last is run? Is the window closing? No, no. Is it closed? Because – they're not re-signing Malcolm. They have a they have a brand new ownership group there right. that does not have this. Oh, we need to wrap our arms around Malcolm. And oh, by the way, who's going to pay him what he's getting paid for playing half the season? There's no way. Yeah. Who's going Who's going to give him that? And, and how long of a contract would you actually give him? Would you give Malcolm a, a guy to probably going to look for more money? What would you give him based upon... Mal- Malkin said the other day that money's not his main concern. He wants to stay in Pittsburgh. Okay. So maybe he's willing Great. to take a haircut to stay. He wants to stay with Crosby, wants to stay with Latang. There is. Well, wouldn't you say first order of business is to re-sign Latang? I mean, is he not the guy that is so valuable that nobody... And, and by the way... I mean, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Russ, too. 
I mean, there's a lot of I would, questions I would there. Try, I would try to keep Brian Rust. He's only 30 years old. He still has some miles to go. I, I think the guys that you're not thinking of in Pittsburgh yeah. are the most important. I mean, of course, Crosby's going to stay. Yeah, well, he's got a couple of years left. But those other guys yeah. are – well, well he's, Zucker, he's never going anywhere. Jason Zucker's got one year, and you know he's been hurt constantly going back to his days in Minnesota with the Wilds. So. And then, of course, in Boston – Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what you know. First of all, what what's number thirty seven going to do? Right. I mean, if is he going to retire? What's your best not? guess? I think he's got, I think he's going to play a year. Okay. I really do because he's got the one year left. There's enough talent here, and maybe they're going to have to make some moves for sure. And let's see what happens with Jake DeBrusque, who on again, off again, wants to be traded. Or at least on again doesn't talk about it. Wants to be traded. Right. Uh, I mean, similar to where Tarasenko is. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens there. Uh, our good friend uh, Zig Bracasi, better known known as Frank Andrews around these parts, suggested even Pasta was up for a look. I don't think so. Get him out of there. Yeah, that's not my think. Uh, that's not my words. I'm just saying that's what he said this morning. Well, I guess, you know, you know first of all, Don Sweeney needs to get his contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Don Sweeney needs a contract. That would, that would help. And he then d- and then go from there. But uh, He did say that that was. Yeah, he thought it was fake company. He'll be he'll be taken care of by management. And, and so to beat the But the Bruins have never been known to be a team to spend huge money. You know, it's just been that way with the Jacobses forever and. You know, they try to work within their, their means and their salary structure. So, Well, I think you know, that perception, keep, though, is not, is not where it yeah. used to be a decade ago or, no, or 15 years ago. I yeah, think that was the old way of doing it. I mean, yeah. they have shown That's that they're... The Harry Sinden uh, right. philosophy, right? if you will. I mean, they've shown that they're more than willing. But, I mean, you, you do look. I mean, Marshan is probably... Making way less than what he should at this point. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's on a sweetheart deal. Yeah. I, I definitely think if Bergeron's playing, it's in Boston. It, you know, it's either there. He's or, not going anywhere else. Or he's retiring and stuff. But, you know, I mean, once again, Selkie Finals, what, 11 years in a row now? I mean. How about that? Uh, he, you know, he's, he's, he is a Selkie. He's great. He's great. It is interesting. There's nobody on the Bruins making over $7 million. That's amazing. Nobody. And we're talking about, I almost said Patty, but I wasn't going to go there. I hate when people use nicknames. Bergeron, Pasternak, uh, Marshan, Taylor Hall, Coyle, those guys. I mean, Coyle's making 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, He's probably a little bit overpaid if you want to know the oh, truth. For sure he is. You know. Especially, and, and you know who made him overpaid? Eric Holla made him overpaid. Yeah. Because Eric Holla is a guy who's not even hitting 2 4. Right. And I think he can be your second line center next year. Yeah. Eric Holla continuously I, I always, got better. I always thought Vegas should have kind of kept him. But then after he hurt his knee in Toronto, I guess they got scared off. Of I mean, I understand why. Trade him. I understand, but again, I mean, this is. I don't want to equate. What happened with Eric Holla to anything else? But it's like, oh, you're no good to us now. Yeah. Oh, you're no good. We're, we're... I thought there was a rush to judgment on his future by George. In all fairness, you are 
talking about a major injury. You are talking about the it knee. Was. But on the flip side horrific. of that, here's a guy that, what, he sniffed 30 goals? I mean, that's the flip side. Penalty killer, could play on the power play, could win face-offs. He was like a perfect 2C. Yeah. Or 3C even. Well, he's going to be, I, I think he is going to be that in, yeah. in Boston. Yeah. I think fine. he's just going to get better and better. I think he'll sniff 20, 25 goals again. He, remember, he got off to a bad start this year. Yeah. And I kept on telling guys. He was kind guys, of in Cassie's doghouse for a little bit. Sure. Yeah. And I kept, I kept on telling guys, you're going to love him. You're going to love him. And then he just kind of got better and better and he wore got, on. He got his confidence up. And, and then he got moved up in the lineup. Hey, listen, Cassidy, he did the same thing to DeBrusque. He told DeBrusque, hey, you're going to be a, you know playing on my third line. And, of course, that didn't go over well with him. Right. And not until he allowed him out of the doghouse – the DeBrusque had that fantastic second half of the I year. think he's a really good coach, by the way. Uh, I absolutely. I know how you feel as a Bruins fan. And no doubt about it. You know, it was a guy, you know. The perfect coach to come in after Julian. Yeah, I, I think he's done a, a really, really good job. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Ben Goetz from the Las Vegas Review Journal. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree! Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. 
Terribles Game Day Giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Vegas Hockey Hotline from the Brian Blessing Studio brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. That's Chris Johnson cranking out some Fozzie. It's been a Fozzie week. It's been a Fozzie week. I, I listened to them while I was at the gym, which that's a separate story because it drives me insane. 16 TVs and I got CNN and Fox and on one of them I have... Cupcake Wars. The last thing I want to look at is Cupcake Wars <laughs> while I'm crunching a, you know, 30-mile jog. 30 oh, miles. Man. Yeah, 30 what am I saying? Miles. I meant 3.0. That's what I meant. So that's the last thing I want to uh, be, be staring at. But anyway, the new Fozzie record is awesome. Steve Carp joins us as always. We also want to welcome to the show Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review Journal who covers the Vegas Golden Knights. And great to have you on again, Ben. I know the focus has been on Pete DeBoer this week, but aside from from that, uh, there is some Golden Knights players whose season is not done at this point, and it's a great story. Yeah, obviously you've got Logan Thompson, Zach Whitecloud, and Nicholas Wall representing Team Canada at the World Championships right now. Team Canada 3-0 and undefeated so far. Logan Thompson has two of those wins. And uh, that's the guy I wrote about for today's paper because it just continues to be a remarkable yeah. story, what he is doing. Um, I mean, I talked to him on uh, Monday morning, ironically, uh, just not that long before the Pete DeBoer news came out. And this is a guy that never made even Team Alberta, you know, in youth hockey, let alone Team Canada at a World Juniors or anything. And here he is representing Team Canada at an international tournament and playing very, very well. It's just crazy uh, to think about. Um, obviously, Logan Thompson, the guy who went undrafted, who after Canadian junior hockey went to Canadian college hockey, which is a path that almost never leads you to the NHL. He's the first Canadian college goaltender to appear in NHL games since 1994, which is before Logan Thompson was even born, which is nuts. And so now the fact that he's risen up the ranks to you know the point that he is representing his country and a, obviously a hockey-mad country like Canada. It's just incredible. It's a ridiculous story that somehow he keeps uh, making 
get better. Obviously, you know, it's not like Canada's sending its A team to the World Championships. There's goaltenders that could be appearing for them that are currently in the playoffs. But the fact that he was even on the radar to be selected based on how he started out uh, is remarkable. And it's very cool to see him continue an impressive late season run with the Golden Knights. Uh, now into an impressive tournament run with Canada. Yeah, and I hope that great story continues right into camp again. Uh, Hey, Ben, does Barry Trotz to Winnipeg make way more sense than Barry Trotz to Vegas? And my point about that has always been, why would a coach of his stature come here knowing that the first time that he looked cross-eyed at management during a losing streak that they're going to think about replacing him? Yeah, so it's a very fair question. I'm curious how he is going to weigh everything in his mind because, really, he's the one that's going to make the decision about where he's going to coach. These other teams are not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, pitching uh, him or he's not pitching himself to these teams. They're pitching themselves to him. Uh, He's a Manitoba guy. It would make sense if he wants to go home and try to build something in Winnipeg. Uh, The thing that the Knights will probably sell, and if you're him, you, know, you could potentially get behind, and we don't know for sure what he's ultimately going to go with, is that you know you can look at, obviously, the Winnipeg Jets roster. You could look at the Knights roster. Both missed the playoffs, but there's an argument there. But does Barry Trotz think he has more of a chance to potentially build a another Stanley Cup winner here in Las Vegas compared to in Winnipeg, even if there is a core in place in Winnipeg that has experienced success before? That's obviously not the easiest place to recruit free agents too it's a little bit tougher to build the kind of ideal roster that you might want there um in winnipeg where maybe he thinks he can get it done here or with the talent already in place on the knights roster that he can elevate that to another level and get it done or maybe he says you know what because there's so much talent already in place in vegas i can put my stamp more on the Winnipeg Jets and get them to play my style. And I think if I do that and introduce some defensive discipline into some of their highly skilled forwards there, that I have a real shot at making a run with that group. I think it's really interesting. I think you obviously make a coherent argument for both sides as to which way he wants to go. Uh, I'm just curious as whether, you know, his heart maybe lies at home in Winnipeg and whether that is going to be too much of an opportunity for him to pass up Ultimately, or maybe ultimately he decides he wants to, you know, go somewhere that has a path to the front office as well, because that's been rumored that maybe that'd be something he'd be interested in down the line. It's hard to see that as of right now potentially happening here with the Knights. Yeah. You know, Ben, as, as I look at this whole situation and you and I sat a few feet from each other on Monday, my concern going forward as to whoever this coach will be for Vegas, whether it's Barry Trotz, Rick Tockett, whoever. They're going to inherit people on the staff, much like Gerard Gallant did with Dave Pryor when he took the job, you know, for the inaugural season. You're going to have Misha Donskoff. You're going to have Ryan Craig on your staff. And I don't know if that's a deal breaker for someone like a Barry Trotz, who cannot bring Lane Lambert with him wherever he goes because Lambert is on the island. But I think for any coaching candidate, you got to look at this and say, hey, wait a minute. You're telling me who's on my staff? And that might even include Mike Rosati, the goaltending coach. Well, who's going to interview? You know, I mean, no one's talking about this part of it in, in the coaching search. What, what are your thoughts about that? 
Is it a deal breaker for a guy like a Trotz or, you know, someone with experience like a Claude Julian? No, that's a really good point to you. I don't know if it would be a deal breaker, but certainly I would have to imagine it could be a tiebreaker. You know, if you kind of compare similar situations, if Winnipeg says, hey, you build the staff that you want to build, we'll kind of get out of your hair and you do whatever you want to do with it. And then I'd say, you know, have some stipulations and some strings attached to their end of the bargain. Maybe that does push him in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. Like you, I think it's really interesting how the Knights have decided to approach this coaching staff where different decisions are being made with different kinds of the assistant coaches. Obviously, Steve Spott also being dismissed along with Pete DeBoer. Those two have obviously been tied together for a very long time, just like Gerard Gallant was tied with Mike Kelly. So that part of it kind of makes sense of like those two came in together. They're going to go out together. But then obviously Brian McGill, who's been in place for five seasons, with the Knights, had a lot of success coaching their defensemen, has developed some young defensemen for the Knights. I don't think anyone was expecting that Zach Whitecloud would be a guy that is currently under contract for the longest amount of time uh, with the Knights. He's a really nice development story for them. So the fact that he was also immediately shown the door, but then a guy like Ryan Craig, who is a very promising young coach and has worked with you know, the power play before in various stints under both Golan and Pete DeBoer and has worked with the forwards and kind of developing their skills a little bit. It is kind of interesting that they looked at one coach who's had success in a particular area and said, you're gone, and then another coach who maybe it's just because he's younger and up and coming, and they're like, okay, but you're staying. Uh, Misha Donskov obviously is like a skills guy who the players seem to really like working with. Mm-hmm. I think that did make some sense to keep him around. He's not necessarily you know, on the bench as much in to the kind of, you know, hands-on role as some of these other guys in terms of the devising systems mm-hmm. and stuff like Ryan McGill and Ryan Craig have been. But the fact that, like, the, they did approach it differently for different kind of guys, and you mentioned even, yeah, Mike Rosati was saying you have to re-interview for your job. We're not getting rid of you or necessarily retaining you. It, it just is interesting that there's different answers for different people on the staff, and they're not kind of approaching it with just kind of one sort of philosophy. And so I think that'll be a very interesting part uh, of these coaching interviews with head coaching candidates once the Knights get around to those. I'm going to let you be Kelly McCrimmon for a minute. I know that's not a job you want. I think you're happy at the RJ. But put it would on pay your... better, though. Yeah, but you also have more little. aggravation. <laughs> You'll have more aggravation in, in dealing with uh, Bill Bradley. Uh, that's a public shot. But... Um, <laughs> Your team is $12 million over the cap. It'll be 11 after you get a little more relief. You don't have a first-round pick in the draft. Do you try to trade back into round one, and how do you get cap compliant? Let's assume that Mark Stone, did he have a surgery, by the way? Do you know? Has not been official yet. I put in a you know request in for the Knights. Uh, we'll see if we get news okay. later today. I'm expecting that we will one one way or the other. They will you know, announce whether it did or did not happen. It was obviously expected to happen, but wasn't 100%. Okay, so let's assume Stone has it at some point and and he is ready for training camp. Let's assume Robin Leonard is ready for training camp and you're not dealing with LTIR issues out of uh, camp for opening night. How do you get this roster cap compliant? Yeah, so I think the uh, number one guy that I think you obviously have to look at is 
Evgeny Zidanov, given that the management has been brought back intact. Uh, I think, obviously, uh, past history is a good indicator of uh, future uh, decisions. And so the fact that, obviously, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee are still in place, I don't think bodes well for Evgeny Zidanov's future with the Knights. So I have to imagine that's probably the first kind of you know round of phone calls that you're making is seeing if anyone willing to take that on for an asset, maybe because it's not going to be around the trade deadline and so other teams could potentially be interested. You're hoping to not attach a second-round pick this time. Maybe someone you know, more of a contender will convince themselves that Evgeny Dodonov can help their power play, just like the Knights talked themselves into that last offseason, and so you don't have to attach as much. After that, I think it gets really interesting because if you want to bring back Riley Smith, which I would imagine they would want to do, and certainly players on the team would want to bring back Riley Smith, then all of a sudden your decisions get much more difficult. Do you look at a guy like Max Pacioretty, who has one season left on his deal, and obviously he's approaching his mid-30s, so do you want to offer him an extension? Does he get tossed into the rumor mill yet again? Does a guy like William Carlson, who now might be the third-line center on this team, uh, underneath Jack Eichel and Chandler Stevenson. Does his name get talked about, especially after he talked pretty openly at his end-of-season media availability that he's lost some confidence and needs to uh, get that back? And then I think you have to look at the restricted free agents as well, like Nicholas Waugh, uh, Nick Hague, Keegan Colter, and Brett Howden, and wonder, are we going to face tough decisions with these guys? Because if someone, you know, they're especially with, uh, Wah, Kolasar, and Howden, they are restricted free agents with arbitration rights. They could potentially get offer sheeted, even though we never actually see offer sheets happen, especially for that caliber of player. But that threat is technically out there. Are you going to get squeezed with those guys where all of a sudden, you know, as you're trying to finagle yourself under the cap, does like potentially two plus million for Nicholas Wah, if you want to start him as your fourth line center again, look to be tricky? Does bringing back Nick Hag at potentially $2 million start to get a little bit tricky. Those RFA decisions, I think, are going to be really tough because those are all, for the most part, young players that have contributed at the bottom of your lineup for not a lot of money. Now, once they start to make at least a little bit of money and you're tied up against the cap, do you have to make a difficult decision about does one of them potentially have to get shipped out because that's the player that you could potentially actually get tangible assets for where if you're moving out a guy like the Donoff or you're considering even moving out a guy like Pacioretty, you're not necessarily going to, you know, refill your asset chest moving out some of those guys with the contracts that they carry. I think it's going to be very interesting yeah. to see how they ultimately approach this. You know, let me let me throw one other hypothetical at you. All right? You're trying to trade back into the first round team. It's like maybe I don't know, Detroit or somebody of eight, nine, ten, says, we'll give you our pick. You give us Shea Theodore, we'll throw in a prospect. Do you do the deal if you're Vegas? I don't. I think too much of Shea Theodore and the value that he brings to this team. Um, I'm not 100% not a draft expert by any means, and especially based on the fact that I do not currently have a first-round pick. I'm probably going to do a lot less of research into the draft than I normally do uh, this year. But from what I understand, it's not, you know, the most exciting draft in the world. You're not looking at a bunch of future stars in this draft. I think even 
projected first overall pick, Shane Wright, is being talked about in kind of the Nico Heischer type of first overall pick, not even necessarily like a Jack Hughes that we've seen in recent years. So it's not necessarily the most exciting or sexy draft at the top. So I think if you're the Knights, you, I would much rather hold on to Shea Theodore, focus on getting back to cup contention this year and in the next couple of years, uh, knowing that if, you know, I take a guy, you know, in the top 10, potentially that's a player that's going to help me two to three years down the road, uh, two to three years down the road with this team, you're facing a lot more difficult questions than you even are now, because all of a sudden Alex Petrangelo is getting into uh, his mid thirties. Alec Martinez is probably off your roster. Or he talked about at that point, Max Pacioretty is almost certainly potentially off your roster stone and Carlson are getting into, you know, their late early thirties kind of thing. So the roster looks a whole lot different and I'm not sure that first round prospect, whoever that is, yeah. is going to be making much of a dent at this point. I think that I have to kind of focus on the now as much as possible, yeah. whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is kind of up to other people to decide that that's the position they kind of put themselves in with how they've approached their roster building. Yeah, they got to get younger and they got to get faster. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. So. Hey, Ben, we really appreciate you joining the show. Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review Journal covers the Vegas Golden Knights. And we're definitely going to have you on during the summer when uh, things quiet down. We know who the new head coach is. But thank you for your time. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it, guys. Thank you. All right, there he goes. Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review Journal does a great job covering the Vegas Golden Knights. Also, want to thank Mark Lawrence from PlaybookSports.com. My man, Chris, the Moose Johnson behind the controls with the music. There it is. There it is. And, my, of course, my good friend, Steve Carp. Thanks for coming in, buddy. <laughs> what was you laughing? I, I feel like I, it was I, an I easy I, show to begin with. I know with. I wound up calling an audible, getting in here earlier during Sportsbook Radio. That's but okay. You, you take things really hard. Like, you I think just, everything I say is like, oh, my God, he doesn't want me here. <laughs> oh, no. if I felt uh, that way I would be here. No, I want you here. I all know the you t- do. But here comes Steve rolling now. I'll be there second hour, twelve twenty-five or ten twenty-five. I will be here tomorrow for ten o'clock for Sportsbook Radio. Okay, everybody. But I will so not be here Friday because I'm going to Reno for my great niece's first birthday party. Who's one? Who's one? There's plenty that's of. That's what her first means. Plenty of unicorns and bouncy houses for Steve this weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We want to pre- we want to thank Station Casinos and the STN app from the Brian Blessing Studio. Once again, that's Chris Johnson. That's Steve Carp. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk tomorrow. You can name is the good old hockey game, and the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream. The buck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And the best game you can name is the good old...